This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. I'm your host, Jason Breifel from Shaw, Bransford & Roth. This is Friday, October 4th, 2019, and we have a really exciting program today discussing enterprise risk management. I'm delighted to have two guests here in the studio with me. First, Tom Brandt. Tom is the president of the Association for Federal Enterprise Risk Management, and in his day job, he's the chief risk officer at the Internal Revenue Service. Good morning, Tom, and thanks for being here with us. Good morning. Thanks for the opportunity to join you today. Absolutely. And next, we have Dan Chenuk. Dan is the executive director of the IBM Center for the Business of Government. Dan, thanks as well for joining us this morning. Thank you, Jason. And uh, finally, I had the privilege of sitting down earlier this week with Dr. Tim Persons, the chief scientist for the Government Accountability Office and managing director for the um, science technology assessment and analytics team. And we're going to listen to uh, the discussion that we had in the second clip of our uh, conversation and fold that in with, with our broader conversation today about ERM with Dan and Tom. Before we dive into today's program, I wanted to remind our listeners that FedTalk is brought to you by Long-Term Care Partners. Long-Term Care Partners administers the Office of Personnel Management-sponsored Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program. To learn more, visit them at ltcfeds.com today. Well, without further ado, Dan, Tom, let's, let's just dive in. And I think something that could be kind of a, a foundational piece of the conversation today is, is a description of and discussion of the differences between kind of traditional risk management and what we mean as we talk about an enterprise risk management. And, and maybe, Tom, you can help us uh, sort, sort that out so we can understand kind of the, the, the lingo, the jargon that we're using when we talk about these things. Right. Thanks. Well, I think, you know, organizations, and particularly in the federal sector, have always done risk assessment in particular functional areas. So most organizations are assessing risk to you know, in the area of fraud, potentially as it relates to cyber-type um, threats, they might be looking at, you know, risks to human resources, et cetera. But I think the distinction and what enterprise risk management adds to that is kind of looking across all of those functional units and then really getting a better understanding of what are the most significant risks that face an organization overall. So it's building on, I think, an established practice that <clears throat> tended to occur in, in functions and really elevating that up and giving organizations and leadership the opportunity really to look into those risks that may, may be happening in specific areas, but if they were to manifest, could actually have an impact on the entire organization. I would add that it connects also to the enterprise strategy uh, of an organization. So, so it's look, not looking at risk in isolation, even across. It's looking at risk as how does it relate to the organization achieving its mission, um, and how can the organization Think about risk as an enabler. There's risk in everything we, we do every day. Um, and how do you think about managing that risk as opposed to kind of just uh, calculating what its probability is and then responding in a one-off kind of manner? And I think the, the distinction that you guys have, have laid out for us and something that I think will thread through the program really is this kind of silo-based perspective um, of, of looking at, assessing, and trying to manage uh, risk versus the more collaborative, um, higher level of, uh, you know, sharing sharing that information across your organization, bringing people together to figure out how to make sense of it and what to do something about. And uh, I know both within your organization at the agency, Tom and Dan, as you guys have looked at this from the center and had a bunch of different studies that have tracked this evolution, are you seeing kind of positive movement from that kind of silo-based method of doing this into, into this enterprise uh, lens? Yeah, we've actually had a program of research in this area that's lasted over a decade. Um, about 12 years ago, the uh, current chief risk officer for the Department of Commerce, actually I think she's the deputy chief risk officer, uh, Karen Hardy, 
wrote a, a, an initial report around enterprise risk management and government and kind of set the frame uh, for how that works. And this became a foundation of a lot of the work that um, Tom's association, a firm, has, has done over the last uh, 12 years. We had a number of other leaders in, in a firm who um, work in other areas, write reports along the way. Uh, Doug Webster, who later became the CFO for the Department of Education, and Tom Stanton uh, did a, a piece uh, on sort of how risk management has evolved. We had uh, Don Kettle, the, who now teaches at the LBJ School, who was then at the University of Maryland, look at GAO's view of, of risk. And more recently, we've done a, a report around how risk has evolved as technology evolves. Um, in terms of introducing new technologies. I know we'll be talking about that in a few minutes when we hear from Tim Persons. Um, but how do we think about risk in the 21st century? So we're seeing the field evolve as technology, as business processes evolve, and as people understand, as, as Tom described, sort of the nature of this cross-functional strategic consideration of risk. Yeah, and I think some of the challenges really that government faces have become much more complex, and there are so many different, I think, uh, elements that need to be factored into agency decision-making and really trying to figure out what are those things that could impede our ability to, you know, deliver our mission and then what are those areas of opportunity where if we pursue innovation or implement, you know, changes that we increase our likelihood of being successful. But I certainly would echo Dan's comments and and also I think point to the, the you know, um, amendments made to uh, OMB Circular A123 back in 2016 that really expanded the view of, you know, kind of controls to be not just looking at internal controls, but broadening broadening it to a view of enterprise risk management. And I think that kind of prompted mo- many federal agencies to really step into the, the field of beginning to practice enterprise risk management and really moving beyond just the functional assessment and, and, and elevating it above just controls. And one other add, I think Tom makes an excellent point about innovation, because risk management is sort of the, the parallel to that. You, you don't innovate without introducing some risk in your organization because you're going to be changing things. And so one of our recent reports called Financial Management for the Future looked at that in a financial management sense and then thought about how do you bring in innovation in terms of emerging technologies like artificial intelligence or blockchain or robotics process automation or business um, process changes like shared services. How do you think about innovating in there, understanding how that will change processes, change culture, and then how do you manage that? Well, I think, Dan, thanks for, for teeing us up for our, our perfect uh, segue into our next segment that we'll hear after the break when we'll be talking with Dr. Tim Persons, the Chief Scientist and Managing Director of the Science, Technology, Assessment, and Analytics team at the Government Accountability Office, that it's absolutely looking at how is technology influencing how GAO does its job, how agencies manage the risks and benefits of technology innovation and these other trends that we're seeing. We'll we'll, uh, hear that clip that we taped earlier this week with Tim and then return to a conversation with Tom and Dan after this break and a word from our sponsor. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network, 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network, 1500 AM. We're sitting down with Dr. Tim Persons. Dr. Persons is the chief scientist of the Government Accountability Office, one of two managing directors on the Science, Technology, Assessment, and Analytics team. Thanks for being with us here t- today, Tim. I'm glad you could join us for this conversation on risk management. Thanks, Jason. It's great to be here and good to see you again. Absolutely. Uh, really glad that you could uh, could make the time for us uh, to fit this in with your really busy schedule. And and I think as you're standing up this new team at GAO, uh, one of the things that I'm interested in your perspective on is from your perspective, from GAO's perspective and the new STAA team, what, what is the, li- the linkage between risk and technology and, and how are you bringing that to your work at GAO? Yeah, great question. So uh, technology really at its root word, it just means the art or skill of doing something. So technology actually is an incredibly broad definition. We often think of it in terms of our smartphones or you know, driverless vehicles and all that. And that's all true and that's all good. But um, really there's so much that you can put in terms of technology, including processes and things like that. 
a lot of things that actually do pertain more to government may not be thought of in a technology framework, but, but are there. And so a lot of what we're doing in terms of understanding technology in that broader sense is thinking about the rise of technology and how it enables uh, agencies to do more better things. Uh, I think the theme that we would all probably agree with is usually with less resources. Uh, I think we're faced with increasingly complex uh, challenges. And so I think there's uh, every reason to believe that the future of doing the business of government involves an extensive use of technology. The key thing is uh, how you use it. Do you understand what it can do for you and how ultimately you're getting into uh, the risk management business, which is really what, what we're here to talk about. And I think you make an important point that technology is not just IT or what you might traditionally or automatically think of. And there are so many initiatives of the administration and the president's management agenda that get at the broader frame that you provided, moving from low to higher value work, making better use of shared resources, uh, moving away from processes that, that don't make sense and trying to modernize those. And the, the element of risk underpinning all of those and the change management and other things is is the hard part. I'm, I'm curious, as you've been looking at this issue and and as, you know, I see this really linked to kind of the conversation around the future of work mm-hmm. and other things, are you seeing any trends in agencies that are elevating that topic of risk alongside some of these other areas that you mentioned our agencies are working through? Yeah, I think uh, agencies are, uh, first of all, I'll just say agencies are aware of risks uh, the extent to which or the way that they've quantified or fully understood the risk is is a question. Um, and, and that's not saying anyone's doing a bad job. The issue is just saying how might risk be better understood so that uh, decisions are, are better informed. And I think, um, you know, as you're putting your finger on this, Jason, the, 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 rightly so, I think these things are really here to help enable the decision makers of, the, of now and in the future uh, to really be about better decisions. Uh, in the business of government, it's about governing, about making those decisions and governing well. Uh, can we have more data, more uh, insight, um, uh, more, uh, I guess, uh, a more holistic picture of the risks that we face uh, in order to make those decisions, which uh, unfortunately are not going to be necessarily in certain solo or isolated risk silos that are going to be interconnected oftentimes as we're finding. And, and I think that's uh, where technology is going to have to be part of the solution. Um, but I will say the good news is in terms of future of work, I don't think we're all going to be out of work. I think the issue is the nature of our work will change and it will be enabled by technology. And those uh, that are able to leverage and adapt to uh, the emerging capabilities are going to be best positioned to to help uh, do their job for the greater good. Absolutely. One, in in terms of tools and resources to help agencies process and have a framework for looking at this, we obviously have the A123 guidance from OMB. Are there other pieces of guidance, tools, resources that you and your team, as you're looking at kind of an analytical framework, ways to help agencies process through this really complicated and and, uh, interconnected uh, topic, uh, are you thinking about things in that space that could supplement and build upon those? Things? Yeah, ab- absolutely. So I think uh, when you introduced uh, at the top um, the new science technology assessment analytics team, I really want to focus on the second A of that, of SDAA, which is analytics. And analytics really is about uh, using um, computers and infrastructure and those things that you're, again, pointing out as sort of IT infrastructure to help us do things but also the data that we have. And uh, agencies are uh, just often chock-a-block with data that surprises even folks on the inside, even who may have been veterans for many years. In terms of how much is there, much less when you apply the new algorithms and and, uh, the new um, computing capabilities that are brought about by things like cloud and so on as you go out there uh, in new data science platforms and things that, that allow you to enhance your capabilities. I think it's surprising how much of an asset that that data is and and will remain and only grow in terms of its value. So really is, uh, I think, for the enterprise risk management conversation, it really is about that analytics as a core uh, enabling asset to feed up into those decision spaces that our, our decision makers need, need to make, whether you're the chief financial officer, whether you're the uh, chief information officer, the chief security officer, whatever it is, all those particular um, 
functions are going to be enabled by this massive uh, datification of of the business uh, of government in general, as well as all the enabling technologies that that have sort of converged together and allowed us to um, to to have this moment. So it is scary in one sense because it's unsettling. It's going to focus have us focus on changes about how we may work and think. Uh, on the other hand, there's a tremendous opportunity. I think there's uh, it's going to be required again given the holistic nature or the complex adaptive systems that we have to face in our business. The administration has recognized the importance of data as a key currency of government with the federal data strategy. And it's interesting to me that there's kind of two legs, kind of a, a broad-based, we need everyone to become more data literate so right. that we can have conversations and break down some right. of the silos. Right. And then there is the, how do we get better at data science analytics uh, analysis and focus on that that specific hard hard set and in between those and in your purview you know are there areas that agencies you know are accurately assessing risk doing a good job focusing on that are there areas that there's we're still figuring that out and, and trying to figure out how to pull that information together in a, in a useful way sure so I, I it wouldn't be for me to say how an agency or department might uh, have they accurately be making decisions or what have you. But I will say this, I think uh, that uh, is there room to have perhaps more incisive uh, information given to you for better decisions? I think that that's absolutely on the table for everyone concerned. Again, that's the opportunity. It's not that you're necessarily doing anything bad now. It's just asking the question of, well, how might I do something better in terms of my job? Um, you had asked Jason about what agencies have in terms of natural assets. I mentioned the data and the assets they have. That's certainly a, a basis of that. But the other thing that we um, really care about in terms of what SDAA is doing, we have a innovation lab uh, that we're setting up to deal with the future of uh, analytics and how to how to do more. I guess I would call it computational ERM like things. Uh, the other aspect is the ownership of the problem. Um, I think the agencies themselves are the ones that really know their pain points. They understand, uh, even down to the lowest level, what things that cause friction in their life, that cause pain, that are uh, annoying errors that get in the way of a, a more efficient or high-functioning government. And I think if you can uh, come from a problem-centric approach, uh, yes, you need to uh, go within or live within the A123 boundaries and these key policies, uh, like you're saying. But I think ownership and understanding of the problem and marrying that up with the new, the new data and the new computational assets and way of thinking is the way forward because uh, there's no point in doing all this data stuff and these fancy algorithms computers if you're not really attacking a real problem. And, and agencies and especially agency leaders who work uh, at the boundary of doing ERM and whatever the role they are, they truly understand their problems or what, what questions they need to answer maybe more incisively. Sometimes it's just, I need the answer quicker. Uh, I need to be able to do things. I want to manage by a dashboard. I don't want to have just quarterly reports. Uh, you know, that's every three months. There could be bad things that happen in that time. I think all of this, uh, the an agile-like operation, understanding the problem with data is, I think, the way of the future in terms of expressing a true computational solution-oriented enterprise risk management. And every, every agency that I've come across or seen has... I, th I think a natural ability to be able to do this to a greater or lesser extent, depending on the scenario. And, and I want to pull this thread a little bit, Tim, because I think it's important. These these dashboards, some of these tools, are they having an impact on, you know, kind of silos, fiefdoms, turf battles within agencies where in the past data sharing, data access, whether that was two different programs, you know, central office and, and a program or an agency and an oversight body, whether it's GAO, IG, or otherwise, um, have some of these new, you know, technologies helped bridge some of those gaps to have those better conversations? Absolutely. And I've seen it happen even in, uh, from a, you know, a computer or a techie type perspective, it's not super high tech, but just uh, tools that allow you to visualize the data that you have. All it is, is putting it in a form that's more uh, more favorable to how we view things or see things and being able to see patterns in ways that you might not have been able to see in a conventional spreadsheet uh, type approach, let's say, or the numbers uh, has been incredibly powerful. Again, not in a way out there with general AI and, you know, machines thinking for themselves. We're not talking about any of that. We're just taking data that you have and putting it into a visual format 
that better helps the decision maker to say, wow, I'm seeing a pattern here that before I wasn't able to see. And so just being able to do that, I think, has been incredibly powerful uh, in whatever whatever roles that the, the agencies or the, the, the leaders within the agency have, have started to do this. And I think there's, you know, that's before even you get into now let's apply some, let's say, sorting algorithms, some search algorithms, some text analytics on these things and, and other, you know, getting up more advanced ways. But what's pleasing is oftentimes how relatively straightforward and at relatively low budget you can start to look at things and help your decision makers already uh, be better versions of themselves in terms of their, doing their jobs and so on. And I think that that's, you know, when you talk about anything at an enterprise level, whether it's risk management or anything else, I think that sometimes folks get the feeling of where do I start? You know, it's I'm picking a spot on an elephant, but it's really difficult. And so I think you make an important point that there are tangible, e- easy to start places or easier to start places while we work toward, you know, the, the more futuristic, uh, the better models, the better computational power that sure. uh, you and your team are, are certainly sure. working on and moving toward. Right. And some of the simpler things can just arise by, again, having a problem-centric approach. What is the risk I'm really trying to avoid here? Right. It could be a financial risk. I'm worried about fraud going on. And so there's great fraud analytics that happen to say, we look for these patterns to say, you know, this, this doctor shouldn't be billing, you know, in 15-minute increments, you know, more time than is available in a 24-hour day. Right. So you've, you've got to be able to, to have the ability to uh, interrogate the data, visualize it, ask, allow it to ask questions. It becomes a partnership. It's, it's not like there's some easy button you push and then it's just going to do the thinking for you. No, it's the opposite. It's you're still the thinker. You just need the ability to help you think through with these tools. And they really are just that. They're tools in the hands of uh, the owners of the problem, the masters of the sort of the the, the, the mission space that they're, they're in charge of doing. So that's, I think, the opportunity. It's very exciting, uh, but you don't need to overthink it. I think it really boils down to what am I really trying to do? What risk am I trying to avoid? I think that's a, a perfect way to cap off of the segment here with Dr. Tim Persons, Chief Scientist of the Government Accountability Office and Managing Director, the Science Technology Assessment and Analytics Team. Um, we will be back for this further conversation on ERM, Enterprise Risk Management, uh, with Dan and Tom after a word from our sponsors. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. One team working all three branches. Judicial, legislative, executive. Judicial. SB&R employment attorneys offer specialized legal representation for federal managers. Legislative. Lobbyists in government and public affairs advocating for corporate clients. Executive. Produces two free weekly newsletters, Fed Manager and Fed Agent. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth is your one destination for all three branches of government. Online at shawbransford.com. SB&R. Client-focused. Results-driven. Welcome back. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network, 1500 AM. In the studio with Dan Chenuck and Tom Brandt talking about enterprise risk management. And we just heard a clip of a conversation we had earlier this week with Dr. Tim Persons of the Government Accountability Office. Uh, Tom and Dan, I wanted to follow up on a couple of the things that, that I had a chance to talk with Tim about, um, particularly a couple of threads that, that popped out to me. And one of these was around uh, how data can help drive better decision-making and better conversations. And and agencies. And uh, I know that ERM has been a huge focus area um, over the last almost decade at the IRS, Tom, and I'm curious about kind of your, your, your professional experience at the agency as, as you've seen this on the ground and as, as the agency's gotten more uh, robust and sophisticated in this space. Yeah, thanks. And I think Tim made a number of really good points with regards to sort of how the use of data and data analytics um, can help agencies, I think, with their enterprise risk management efforts, and, and not just what we're doing at IRS, but what I've seen across a number of other agencies where 
really using data to better inform, you know, what are the risks the agency is facing to better understand what are some of the root causes behind those risks? Because you want to be careful not to jump immediately to a response strategy without really understanding what are the factors that are contributing to that risk. But then I think you can use the data to really help, um, you know, in assessing potential mitigation or risk responses, and then also setting up uh, key performance indicators or risk indicators. And even once you've determined your risk response strategy, if um, there is a, a, an action you need to take, using data to help with sort of risk sensing and even ongoing monitoring of, you know, is what's the likelihood of this risk occurring and what tools do we have in place to kind of monitor and check to make sure that it's not manifesting, and if so, to quickly know that and be able to respond. I would add um, the data can help with evidence-based risk communication as well, because a lot of risk management is getting people who don't normally think about how risks are affecting their daily jobs and what could occur and how to respond if risk does occur. Um, the data can help them see, all right, here's the, the normal pattern that occurs in a, in a given day in a particular program, whether it's delivering benefits or regulatory compliance. Here's where risks might occur. You might spot anomalies. Here's what the data are showing you. And here's how you can respond so that they understand in advance what to do if, if a risk does manifest itself. And I think the communication piece is, is really interesting and is, is tied to kind of some of the cultural elements that I want us to dive into uh, a bit later. But, you know, I, I hear a lot from, from Tim and GAO and from others in the IG community that there's an interest in kind of value-added oversight as, as opposed to compliance, mm -hmm. uh, retro retrospective-looking. And it seems like with effective communication and looking at this information way and just saying, like, hey, we know that this is going to be a problem. We're doing everything in our power to put it in a box to, to compartmentalize that. Uh, how are you all seeing that that kind of play out among the different parties that all have a, have a role to play in, in oversight, accountability, how decisions get made, and, and ensuring that those were, were, were the right decisions? Yeah, well, I think that's a great point, and I think the emphasis on what's the value add. Because it's not just, you know, when you delay on another set of activities to agencies that are already overburdened with, you know, things to stay on top of. But the value equation here is, again, understanding what are those things that really could impact or affect the ability of the agency and agency leadership to deliver their mission, to deliver their programs, to be successful. And, and having this tool and this mechanism to really identify, you know, what are those factors where either something has to go right and we want to make sure we're on track or where something could go wrong and how are we able to check against that. Having enterprise risk management, I think, in place can actually help protect and preserve the value, you know, of, of that the agencies are, are trying to deliver and provide for the American public. And so I think really focusing on that value equation and not being so focused on sort of the compliance side of it is really, I think, a better way to frame kind of what the benefit is of ERM within the federal sector and I think, you know, in organizations overall. Mm -hmm. I think having the chief risk officer as a member of the leadership team, understanding sort of where is the organization going, having them be part of the conversation early, um, gets to a point where people that might, um, might be thought of traditionally as an oversight are really part of the management team. We wrote a report at the center a, a few years ago by Kathy Newcomer at George Washington and a few couple of other authors around inspectors general in this kind of risk oversight framework called balancing independence and positive engagement and talked about sort of uh, how the IG can really be a positive uh, addition to the leadership team um, by looking at different elements and understanding, helping people understand where the risks, how can they address them if they do occur, and GAO would fit into that uh, category. Great. And, uh, you know, kind of just on this a little bit more, um, you know, how, how are you seeing that kind of information flow, the, the ability of that management team talking to one another in an organized way aid agility of, of organizations to turn like we've spotted a problem we we need to turn right now and get off this highway because otherwise you know the bridge is out ahead um, is is this enabling kind of quicker decision making so that we can prevent maybe a, a smaller risk from ballooning into something uh, larger yeah well I think in, in many organizations enterprise risk management came into place even before the OMB requirement in the federal space, for, in order to give agency leadership that quicker insight into sort of where something might be going off track and that ability to kind of look ahead and see, you know, in advance where there might be problems uh, occurring. But by having a really, I think, robust ERM program and process in place that is intended to actually give leadership insight much more uh, quickly in terms of 
kind of where there might be things, you know, again, going off track and, and what are the opportunities and, and responses that the leadership uh, can take. And the other, I think the other important factor about having that, those decisions and those discussions with the broader management team and leadership team is that as you're thinking through risk responses, you avoid a situation where maybe if it was being decided in one unit that they'd be making a response to the risk as they see it, that actually could possibly create risk for another part of the organization. So by having that, I think, broader view and broader participation across an organization, it helps you ensure that the response you're you know, developing to a risk is not actually going to create some sort of new risk for someone else. We're doing some work now on agility in government. And um, Ed DeSev, who's now a visiting fellow with our center, the former deputy director for management at OMB, among many other uh, positions, is leading this work uh, with the National Academy of Public Administration, looking at agility as a concept that grew up in the software world and how do we bring that into other forms of management. And, and Tom's absolutely right. Cross-functional teams, the ability of the team to kind of move together, cuts through a lot of bureaucratic responses that might slow down Risk. It's really a best practice in how we've seen agile work in, in different settings and bringing it into this scenario can, can help improve government processes overall. And I think the, the notion of the team is something we talk a lot about, but you know, in many ways, structures within government, we focus on organizations, programs, and individuals. But you know, in, as a unit of measurement or analysis in terms of, say, performance metrics, we don't really look at the team. We look at an individual through the human capital lens. The Chico owns that. And we have performance officers looking at, you know, organizational performance. But those don't always seem to to roll up one another in, into one another. And so there's I'm wondering how ERM and in, in this frame of agility can help bridge that gap between some of these kind of management silos that that look at at their purview and their name. Well, you know, I, one of the th benefits that we've seen, and I know other organizations have as well, is it, it actually gives an ability for leaders and in individual units to actually elevate and get attention from across the entire organization to areas of risk and challenges that maybe they've been, you know, struggling to get, a, to get resources for or to really, I think, get that broad perspective of how this may affect the organization and sort of what are the range of solutions. So again, not just limiting the ideas and, and potential fixes to any one area, but, you know, I think getting a broader input from across the organization. But the other piece, too, is that through enterprise risk management, and most organizations have risk risk councils, that determination of what are those top risks facing the agency is, is made collectively. So it's not an area where you've got any single unit that's saying, well, this is our top risk. That decision is typically made as a leadership team. And then you're getting that buy-in that, yeah, you know what, these are kind of those areas that are most significant for us and that as a team we need to work towards addressing. The strategy or the risk response might be something that one unit takes the lead in developing the response, but in order to actually implement that and I think address the problem for the whole agency, you do need that, that entire leadership mm -hmm. team buy-in. And I think that your point about performance metrics builds right onto Tom's uh, overall uh, perspective in terms of the performance metrics can help create a shared understanding of what's results um, across the organization and can have people sort of rowing to the same spot. Um, a lot of times there's agreement in an organization, even an agency around, here's the strategy we all agree, but then when we get to how do you measure whether we're getting to that strategy, people have very different ways of, of understanding that, including the contractors that work with the agencies. So establishing a set of metrics that are shared, understanding how those metrics reflect risk, reflect outcomes, and having people uh, act accordingly and be incentivized accordingly, I think is an important part of, of implementing risk management in a responsible way. Yeah, and I think as well, you need every piece of that puzzle to, to fit together and to be, you know, I think contributing to the whole in order for that, for that all to work. So if any one area is not being able to, you know, be successful, that of course has an impact on the entire organization. So again, that's where ERM can help get some attention to maybe those smaller pieces or those components where something might be going wrong. And in the past, maybe that unit would have struggled to try to address the risk on their own. But now there's a venue to elevate that and more quickly get attention to, you know, again, risk that um, where things might be going wrong or where we need help to make sure something's going right. And, and, and on this point, you know, so you've, you've elevated the risk. How is that information? It sounds like it's working pretty good inside of agencies. 
How's that information then flowing up to OMB and to Congress if there are additional resource requirements that an agency has flagged and identified? And and is the uh, you know is is there an understanding in those two camps of people are using A123, agencies are properly identifying this, communicating it up? How is that feedback loop um, coming along? Well, I think it's evolving. I think there's still more work that needs to be done. And again, thinking we're only three years into the OMB requirement, but OMB has, I think, continued to reinforce and emphasize the, the need for agencies to be discussing their top risk during their strategic review discussions that occur each year with OMB. I think in discussions with the Hill, they need to be elevating those risks. I think we have seen instances where agencies, agencies have been able to clearly articulate significant risks based in the organization, and that has helped them and then making the case for particular budget allocations. But there still is room to grow in that space. And I think even at OMB and some of the budget decision-making processes there, there's still an opportunity probably for further integration of the agency enterprise risk information. So, you know, because we want to avoid the situation where agencies go through this exercise and they create an enterprise risk list, and then that's the end of it. I mean, the whole purpose of identifying your risk is that then you're able to do something about it. So it builds then into your resource decisions, investment decisions, et cetera. Yeah, I think it's a matter of maturing uh, the relationship. So you've got A123. OMB has done some work in A11, which is the circular that governs how budget planning and execution works and sort of uh, incorporating that. So gets agencies to think about risk management in, in a budgetary framework. And then I would give Tim and GAO credit for elevating risk management as part of their strategic framework for doing technology assessment, for doing analytics, because Congress relies on GAO every day for understanding how programs are operating, where risks are manifesting, and how agencies are responding. So it's a matter of all, all the branches of government working together to increase that communication flow. Yeah, it's a shared community, and we all have to be rowing in the same direction. I think everybody is trying to help move ERM along, and I think we've seen great progress um, in the last few years and continuing efforts to really, I think, get as much out of this as we can for agencies and the government overall. Absolutely. And I want to talk some more in our uh, last segment that we're going to uh, dive into after this break about that work that lies ahead, some of the cultural and, and kind of interpersonal dynamics around uh, the, the evolution of, of, of risk management and, and baking it into kind of everyday practices and protocols with, within agencies. Uh, we're going to pause here for our last break and a word from our sponsor. Then we'll return to our discussion on enterprise risk management. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network, 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network, 1500 AM. We're in the last segment of our program on enterprise risk management, and I have here in the studio with me Dan Chenick from the IBM Center for the Business of Government and Tom Brandt from the Association for Federal Enterprise Risk Management. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground today, um, and, and it's so exciting to see the evolution and the progress that's being made in this area. Uh, we have some of the, the right policy frameworks in place with A123 and, and, and the evolution of this. But I want to talk in this last segment about kind of the human dynamic of all of this. Um, leadership and culture are, are often some of those areas in government and in all organizations that um, inhibit, stymie uh, change and, and forward progress. And humans as people just, you know, we're, we're change resistant. And so I'd just be curious from from your thoughts and as you both have, have studied and lived this issue uh, for so long, kind of what are you seeing there? Is there uh, are, are we seeing some pivots? Are there strategies uh, that folks can think about as leaders within their own organizations to to help folks embrace as opposed to pushing ERM away? Yeah, well, I mean, the important point is that in order for ERM to work, you've got to have everybody that's on board and helping out, and everybody sort of viewing themselves as a risk manager. And so, I think. That notion of leadership being able, every opportunity they have to let people know that they want their help in identifying and pointing out 
risks and that, you know, again, if they see something, you know, to say something so that the leadership can do something. And then there's got to be an environment where people feel comfortable doing that. And there are, you know, some questions on the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey that agencies can look to to kind of get a sense of kind of what is the environment and how comfortable, you know, are employees in raising issues or sharing concerns. And then if there are areas where perhaps those responses are a bit lower than desired, you know, what ways can we, again, create that environment where employees are encouraged and I think given the space to speak up? I think government for decades has been operating from a position of essentially risk constraint. You know, if something goes wrong, it could affect my job. It could get into the press. There could be a, an investigation. And many of those risks are, are an inevitable part of the program. And as we said earlier, risk is a part of everything we do. And we cross, look both ways before we cross the street. We're executing a form of risk management. Uh, and so it's understanding how, to, how leadership can help model that in the culture. Part of that is enabling people to take a, a step forward out of their comfort zone, maybe innovate it, come forward with a new idea, Celebrate the idea. If the idea doesn't work entirely perfectly, celebrate that as well because you can learn from the experience. It's, it's, it, there's a famous statement about Edison didn't have 150 failures before he invented the light bulb. He actually succeeded 150 times and learned each time before the light bulb went on. And so understanding how to think about each innovation, each step forward as an opportunity to learn and to grow, that failure is, is okay and should be rewarded in terms of taking a step forward, helping the organization move forward, and, and putting that into a risk frame is, is all around the, the, what leadership can do to help change culture. And I think that's where ERM can help is that, you know, we are in a space, again, where government has typically been risk averse because of the environment we operate in. And if something goes wrong, it gets a lot of attention very quickly. So that can make people a bit you know, anxious about trying new things or sort of stepping out. But by embracing and practicing ERM and, again, really getting a sense of, you know, what are those things that could go wrong that we need to be paying attention to, we need to have rapid, you know, notification, monitoring, that gives them a much quicker ability to, re- to respond and to be prepared. And I think the other side to this coin, too, is not just having really good ability to identify and put in place, you know, strategies for managing or monitoring your risks, but then what's the capacity of the organization to be resilient because risks are going to manifest. Having an ERM program doesn't mean we're no longer going to have risk manifesting in government. They are going to continue to, to manifest, but we should be better equipped um, to identify where risk could occur and more importantly, then be better uh, situated, I think, to respond and be resilient in how we react and recover from risks that, um, that do occur. A particular area of that is in the area of cyber risk management. We had a report last year done by some Howard University professors around this and creating a model for resiliency as part of an overall structure as, as we all deal with, with online access to just about everything we do in, in life and agencies are moving many programs and data flows and communications online. Um, understanding what are the risks that could occur and understanding that if they do occur, here's the responses and here's the resiliency strategies, the backups, protocols, the cutovers um, uh, to respond with is is a real-time instantiation of the principle that Tom just talked about. And it sounds like, you know, building resilience, agility, a learning culture, this this is all about tr- attempting to move the mindset away from a bureaucratic, I'm, I'm following the rules and doing the process as it was laid out by whoever or whatever, to how do we focus on the problem, the mission of the agency, and, and, and get there as quickly and, and as efficiently as we can. And that seems like a really big difference for how government has traditionally uh, managed and employees have seen their role in the system. I think it can build trust. A lot of people think about risk as risk management, something over here for the risk management folks, the financial folks. But as Tom's articulated, as we've talked about today, it's, it's really about a whole of organization understanding of what are the objectives that we're trying to achieve? What are the ways to maximize success? What are the obstacles that might stand in our way? How do we mitigate that? and create a shared understanding of the path forward to that uh, end. And by doing that, everybody kind of understands their place in the organization and, and builds trust from leadership down to the line staff. Jason, if I could take us back to something you, you brought up earlier, and I think, again, emphasizing this whole importance of culture, is there are examples that in, in out there and sort of even if you even look in the private sector where there's some crises that have occurred in the last few years um, – where organizations have actually had pretty robust ERM structures in place and ERM processes, but the missing ingredient was that the culture was not aligned to actually support 
employees and raising issues or in the leadership or management really reacting and responding to and addressing those risks. So the culture piece is so critical because you can have all the process in place, but if you actually don't have the buy-in and, and the, the folks, you know, I think uh, actively addressing and, and managing those risks, you're not going to get where you need to be. But I think that's where the IG can help, too. There's a lot of discussion in the federal community now around what is the role of the IG with regard to ERM and the extent to which they're not coming in and sort of second-guessing the risk decisions that management is making. But they can come in and look at how effectively have agencies set up the ERM process and, and how is the culture in agencies aligned in supporting ERM. So I think there's an opportunity where you know we can tie in kind of what's the role of the IG, what's the importance of culture, and then how effective have agencies been in setting up their ERM programs. I also think the work that Tom does in his leadership of a firm and the association, raising the profile of risk management, holding discussions and conversations and events, um, really helps to advance the the portfolio of risk management, the understanding across the government, and helps um, change culture by increasing understanding and buy-in. And, and, you know, on this issue of, of culture, of trust, are there best practices, tools, you know, in terms of tool, like is there a culture assessment they can look at, the willingness of organizations to do this in terms of internal communications? How are agencies physically or technologically building structures so a frontline worker can bubble up a risk to a management official in a timely way so they can actually do something about it? Are, you know, through, through a firm, are you, are you seeing any of those kind of best practices or examples? Yeah. Well, there are. I think there's a whole range of culture assessments that organizations can actually undertake to get a sense of, you know, is there an environment of openness? Do people feel comfortable raising concerns? I mentioned the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey, which has uh, some questions on there, too. But, you know, I think for the most part, employees do need to feel comfortable speaking with and sharing their concerns with their immediate manager. But in many organizations as well, there's always kind of a need to have a fail-safe, too. So do you have a risk channel in place that if for some reason somebody's not comfortable sharing a risk with their manager, do you have sort of a channel where they can, you know, anonymously or confidentially share something, you know, directly to the chief risk officer or, you know, to the risk program so that you've got that kind of backup? But I think we see even across the FEVS that, um, one of the highest scoring questions is confidence that employees have in their immediate supervisor. So I think that's why it's so critical for us to make sure that we've got all layers and levels of management on board with ERMs all the way to the front line and then to the frontline employee because that's where you're going to be most, I think, uh, uh, affected or impacted in your ERM efforts is if you don't have that frontline employee and that frontline manager engaged and on board. And you mentioned technology as, as we bring in new technologies that can introduce innovations but also increase potentially risk profiles. We did some work with the Partnership for Public Service around artificial intelligence, and we did a specific report around risk management in AI. And one of the things we learned there was that the government of Canada has a really interesting model to assess the risks of AI. They call it their algorithmic impact assessment. And their chief technology officer um, t- spoke about it. So they can basically put the the risks to the program, to the operation, to the service being delivered along a continuum and understand how do we respond and how do we communicate effectively. So there's both internal frameworks like Tom was describing. There's also external frameworks that can be used to judge risks of new innovation. Well, and Tom, I know you just got back from a, a trip with China. So are there any other kind of global trends that are starting to to come back or other countries learning about the experiences here here in the U.S.? Yeah, well, it's interesting. There, I mean, ERM is not unique to to the U.S. by any means. And certainly if you look at some of the overall frameworks, whether that's the COSO framework or the ISO framework for ERM, I mean, they're, they're models that have taken hold in Asia and Australia and Europe, et cetera. So uh, where there are government organizations, and of course, I've actually been involved in work with the OECD that's looking at risk management efforts across uh, you know tax administrations. And so recently had a workshop with more than 30 tax administrations sharing what they're doing uh, in the area of enterprise risk management. So that provides, I think, a rich opportunity to learn at kind of some of the different approaches that we're taking. And what was, I think, really insightful around some of that work is that the top risks are not all that different. <laughs> uh, we're kind of facing some of the same uh, challenges and some of the same types of risk, uh, regardless of where we may be situated. And I think that that's really important. You know, while the government definitely is unique, oftentimes you get the sense that we, we act like we're more unique than we really are. And and identifying those common challenges, those common perspectives, um, can help us not solve the entire problem that someone else has already solved in the same room over. Maybe you can learn from others and only focus your time on the 50% that's unique to your organization. And that's 
seems like it would be part of that that risk management strategy you know what's going on you can use that information yeah. to make those better decisions well we've tried to think through a firm and partnering with other organizations like the, the IBM Center is to can to build those partnerships and to build that community of support uh, so that any organization any individual really trying to take this on has some experts has some resources that they can reach out to for help well, and in terms of that community, um, Tom, I know you all have your, your summit coming up and, and we'll definitely want to make sure that we uh, give you some time to talk about that event, some more about a firm so that folks can, can understand the opportunities to get involved, whether actively with the community or just for the information and resources that you all provide. Yeah, well, thanks, Jason, for that opportunity. So we do have our annual ERM summit coming up at the end of this month on October 29th and 30th that will be at the Reagan Building. It kind of is our marquee event on enterprise risk management um, in the public sector. And, I, you know, we really have a great turnout each year for that event and a, and a superb line of speakers. And, and I think to the points we've we've shared here, bringing in practitioners from a range of government agencies. We've got actually some of our colleagues from Canada that are going to be coming down to speak, some uh, practitioners at the state and local level. So I think we've really tried to broaden our reach uh, beyond just the federal government, but to other areas as well in, in the in the interest of actually learning from kind of what have these other organizations and entities, um, you know, what have they done? So that's our marquee event, but we certainly do a series of workshops and webinars and other events throughout the year. And we really encourage people to check out affirm.org for more information about any of those events. Fabulous. And Dan, I know, like you said, you've been, you've been on this uh, with the center for over a decade. Uh, kind of what what's the future look like as as the center continues to to dive in and explore explore this issue? So I think it's continuing down the road of sort of operationalizing risk management, making it part of the uh, normal day of a of a federal worker. Um, that it doesn't seem like it's something that's different, but they understand as they're bringing in technologies, as they're working on their contracts, as they're busy delivering services to the American people, pro- providing regulatory compliance support, that they think about risk management as part and parcel of that. And that there are tools, whether they're technology tools or process tools or organizations like the firm, uh, other partner organizations that are available that can help them bring risk management into their daily operations so that it's really seen as something that can enable success and not something that's separate. I, just, I, I really like the idea of, uh, you know, especially in October, risk isn't only a spooky thing. It can be a positive <laughs> thing. We can use it to have some constructive conversations. Uh, work better with your peers, and at the end of the day, especially for all of us in the government space, we're we're here to do as good of a job for the American taxpayer as possible. And and I think finding a way to to continue to keep that front of mind for everyone as they think about ERM, the benefits it can bring to their organizations, is really critical. Yeah, I mean, every manager, every leader steps into their role, and they want to be successful, successful individually, and successful in leading their organizations. And I think that's the real benefit that ERM can provide is it can help you as a leader be successful individually, but then more importantly, successful in delivering the mission of your organization and the agency overall. And then at the end of the day, that really increases the value equation for the, for the federal government overall. Absolutely. And I know we all want the federal government to be successful. Um, that's what this is all about. Um, that's all the time we have for today's program. I'd like to thank Dr. Tim Persons, the Chief Scientist and, manage, uh, and Managing Director of the Science Technology Assessment and Analytics Team from GAO for joining us, and for Tom uh, Brandt, President of the Association for Federal Enterprise Risk Management, Dan Chenek, Executive Director of the IBM Center for the Business of Government. Thanks so much for joining us today for this excellent conversation. Um, that's all we have time for today on FedTalk. FedTalk is brought to you by the Federal Employment Law from Ashar Brantsman Raw. Have a wonderful weekend.